children, you are welcome to go off to our children's ministry out this door, my left, your right, if you'd like to. Although, I'm pretty exciting as well, if you'd like to stay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. If you're a guest with us, we just want to thank you for being here. There's a, you sh- in your bulletin should have been a connect card, and uh, we just like to get get some information from you so we know how to get a hold of you and make you feel welcome and um and help you get to know our church and all of those types of things also just wanted to mention um we during the month what is it is this october yes <laughs> we're, we're here we're here october this is going by so fast huh um during the month of october we're, we're not doing discover track so just wanted you guys to to be aware of that and then i believe pastor kelly's probably going to talk about it Okay, good, good, good. All right, Pastor Kelly. <laughs> All right, if we could have the, uh, before we get to that exciting stuff, if we could have the ushers join us for, uh, to receive tithes and offerings this morning. Let's pray over our worship in giving this morning. Jesus, we praise you and thank you for uh, um, what you're doing in this church. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity and the privilege to give in to your kingdom, what you're doing. Lord, um, the the mission that you've called this specific part of your body uh, to accomplish, to to do in this area. Lord, I thank you for um, the the DNA of this church being um, gatekeepers to your presence, a a portal to your presence, um, showing your glory to this community. And uh, we, we um, give joyfully into that calling this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Got a, uh, uh, a few things coming up here. Uh, first off, um, w- this Wednesday, October 9th, from, at 545, we've got our family experience. There's information there in your bulletin, but everyone's welcome. Youth, um, youth will be in here and, and families as well. We'll have a meal at 545, and then the family experience will start at 645. I encourage you to come and bring friends to that. Next, we also um, have our um, uh, Tent America with Awaken the Dawn ministry. This is 50 hours of continuous prayer and worship all across. There's going to be tents all across the nation, just lifting up our nation and just worshiping the Lord um, for 50 hours straight. Um, it's, there's information there. It's October 17th through the 19th, and I believe our tent is going to be out in the Mona parking lot right in the center of our city. So I encourage you to take a look at that. There's sign-up sheets um, at the Welcome Center. And uh, if you have questions, you can check in with Bruce and Cheryl. Um, And then the uh, Discover track that Pastor Jonathan was talking about, we're not doing our typical Sunday morning um, Discover tracks this month. However, um, we will be doing a Discover track one day event, Saturday, November 2nd from 9 to 1. So if you haven't been through Discover track, this is really sharing who we are as a church, what it is we believe, and then also finding more about how God's designed you to lead in ministry. Um, you may not think of yourself as a minister or qualified or something like that, but I assure you, each, God has called each one of us with gifts and callings to, to minister to those around us. And so you'll learn more about our church and more about who God used, has designed you to be. And you'll get all four weeks in that one Saturday event. So if you haven't done that, I encourage you to do that. And then lastly, we have our celebration service coming up Sunday, November 10th. This is going to be a time where we just celebrate um, what the Lord's doing in a few different ways. There's going to be um, some baby dedications, uh, baptisms, 
and then just time for sharing testimony of what the Lord's done in our lives. If you'd like to be involved in any of those three things, um, contact the church office. Um, there will be a baptism class uh, set up. If you'd like to be baptized, there's a, we're gonna have a, we'll set up a class for you to go through just to understand that, that important um, command from the Lord. All right, Pastor Jonathan. Hey, um, before I preach, I just, I wanted to draw attention one more time to um, Awaken the Dawn, and uh, just an incredible opportunity, 50 hours of prayer and worship, and um, so there's, there's a couple ways that you can, uh, probably about three ways you can be involved. One is you can show up, all right, so here's a, here's a good idea, 50 hours, you could find one, you could find even a half hour in there, don't you think? I was looking directly at you, but right, yeah, right. <laughs> She's going to be there now. No, <laughs> 50 hours. So um, this is what you could, this, here's, a, here's a way to find 50 hours. So um, after dinner someday when you normally watch an hour of television, um, then instead you go and you take a, an hour uh, of prayer in the city. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that, or um, maybe, uh, maybe before, uh, before work, and maybe you just say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast breakfast that morning, and I'm just going to, before work, I'm going to take a half hour or an hour, and I'm going to go to the, to the uh, Awaken the Dawn tent, right? Wouldn't that be a good, good deal? Or maybe um, any of you, any of you like, like have trouble sleeping ever? Maybe you don't want to admit it, but any of you have a trouble? And you're like, you're like, man, wide awake, 3 a.m. And instead of like, uh, right, oh, I'm just wide awake, 3 a.m. And instead of like doing everything you got to do to try to get back to sleep because you know it's not working that, that, that night anyway, what if you just got out of bed, got in your car, went to the Awaken the Dawn tent? So I'm just wanting to give you some ideas that would help you, like, uh, make this happen. So that's one way, is to actually show up. Everyone say, show up. Show up. This is big. It's not just our church. It's not just another church in town. It's multiple churches in town, and it's multiple expressions across America. Um, we're, uh, I, I mean, it's, I think they're even in Lincoln, right, this year, and at the Capitol, six, six places in, in Nebraska. So this is it's a big deal. Okay, so show up. Number, number two, um, you, you may be one that says, I literally, I want to be there. I just can't for whatever reason. And you're, you're not going to hell. You're not like a lesser Christian. You're n n nothing like that. But you might, for whatever reason, you just can't be, be there. Here's, um, here's something that you can do is there are some things. And Bruce and Cheryl, would you raise your hand so people know? And, uh, and Bruce, Bruce and Cheryl, they're, they're part of our leadership team. Um, there's there's things that you can um, you can either give into financially. In fact, if you'd like to, you could you could give to Spirit of Life and just market um, Tent America or Awaken the Dawn or whatever you'd like to do, and make sure that we know what it's for, and we will help get some finances for this tent because it, it costs money. But there's other things. Um, you know, could they could they borrow? Um, you know, like like blankets. Um, there's a, in fact, you might want to look up here um, and and get get this list afterwards. Water bottles. Um, you know, maybe you want to donate donate some water bottles. Maybe a coffee or a coffee maker. Um, uh, I'm look, looking at some of this, and I'm thinking you could just steal all the stuff from the from the church kitchen <laughs> if you if you'd like. Um, but it's nice. For, but but it's, it's nice for us all to be a part of it. You know, it's not not just the church, but but uh, all of us. Um, there's different things like um, here, Kleenexes, uh, you know, uh, that's a big, that's a big deal, you might not think it is, but if you're sitting there praying all of a sudden, right, and there's no Kleenex, and life's happening out your nose, then, then it'd be nice to have, so, so that would be one way, you're not going to be there, you could help in some way, 
um, allow prayer and worship and all those things to happen. And there, how many know that sometimes parents drag their kids to these things, and the kids are like, oh, I don't, you know, they're like mine, you know, they're you know, seven or eight or four, and they haven't quite reached that age of spirituality yet where they're like all in tune for, for two hours or something. Wouldn't it be nice if you helped donate some coloring books and crayons, drawing paper, so that the kids could be entertained while the parents are like, like out in the presence of God and experiencing angelic visitations. Yes, yes, okay. So thank you for what you're doing. Also, hey, one, the, I told you there was three ways. The other way is you could actually sign up to be uh, a part of it. Um, there's, a, there's a link that went out, I think, in the email this week, and if you didn't get it, you can talk to Bruce and Cheryl. But there's a way, if you'd like to, um, to host an hour or two, um, and just be there as you're the host for that prayer hour. Maybe you're uh, a musician or a worship leader, and you'd like to be a part in, in leading for that time, um, praying for that, whatever it might be. You can be a part of it in a specific way on during those 50 hours by signing up on that link. So that's a big commercial, but this is a big deal. And um, how many know prayer changes things? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, um, so we are we're in Romans. A, a Roman series, and I, I'll tell you what, there's been some times in this series where I'm just like, I just wish I could skip this one. Y- any of you ever like that? You know, maybe, as, especially as a preacher, but maybe even as a, as a reader, you're just sitting there like, yeah, I'd like to just skip this one. But how many know that um, it's, it's, it's not okay to just, if it's in the Bible, not okay to skip it, <laughs> right? Um, so th- th- here's, here's, here's one that's interesting, and I I guarantee you, if you're awake today, you'll prob- there'll probably be a button that gets pushed, and, and, and it's okay. You, you'll be all right. Um, I've always said this, you're, you're always welcome to disagree with me. Um, I just ask that you disagree by using Bible and Scripture and not just your opinion. Would that be, is that okay? So you're welcome to challenge and, and disagree in a loving way and an honoring way, but just, just make sure that, that it lines up with the Word of God and not just your, your experience and your, um, your opinions and, um, and all of those types of things. So Romans 14, we're in, a, in, in this series. Here's the, the title today, and by the way, um, uh, my, the, my amazing Leslie is on vacation, and, um, and I, I just, so we don't have PowerPoint today, so there you go. So you guys are going to have to either trust me that's there or use your own Bibles or get your own pen and and paper and and take some notes and all of this. Um, So today's title is Loving Past Our Differences. We're going to love past our differences. And in fact, that's what we've been talking about since chapter 12. Paul Paul makes a kind of a hard turn and and starts to address a topic of love in, in Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 13, and then he continues it here in Romans chapter 14. It's, a, it's really a topic of love. And, and in, uh, in Romans 12, he's, he's talking about um, loving, loving our enemies, loving those that, that we're angry towards. And, and what's he say? Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord, right? He's like, hey, whoa, 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 I know you want, anybody, don't, you know, to raise your hand. Anyone ever just want to get revenge, right? <laughs> if, you, if, you ever, if, you, if you drive a vehicle, you've, you've thought about it. You've thought about it. You've thought, you know, the, the person cuts you off or anyone grew up in a bigger city than, oh, I don't know, Kearney. <laughs> yeah, th- there's been moments where you've just thought, oh, if I wasn't a Christian right now, you know. And 
And in chapter 12, he says, he says leave room for God's wrath. In fact, he, he, says, um, he says, actually, do the opposite. Bless your enemies. And then I, I, I did this tongue-in-cheek because it's actually not exactly what it means. But, but in Romans 12, he says, when you do that, you actually heap burning coals on their heads. So you do good, and then, and then you're waiting for God to heap burning coals on, on your enemies' heads. I, I don't know. Ki- kill them with kindness, I guess, is what the what the Bible says. So uh, you go on into, into Romans 13, and we hit some, some, some real controversial political stuff last week, right? Remember we, we talked about, um, if you were here, uh, you know, what, what are like two things you never bring up at a family reunion? Politics and religion. And we did both of them last week, right? And, uh, and I, you know, obviously we all know Jesus wasn't Republican. He he's, was Jesus, <laughs> He, he like sets the standard. <laughs> and uh, and some people, you, you say that and they're like, oh, I never knew. I sure thought he was, you know. And, um, but bottom line in Romans 13, what did we find out? We find out that we're supposed to, to love our governing officials. We love them. We honor them. And how many know it's okay to disagree with them? Yeah. How many know it's okay to even take a take a stand when when something violates Bible, violates God? It's okay to to in an honoring, loving way stand up. In fact, I told you I have a friend of mine in in Toledo, Ohio, that um, that him and his church, like in a loving way, has taken a stand against a, a zoning law that um, that hasn't been enforced it, there's a there's a zoning law and uh, and because it hasn't been enforced there's a strip club that's able to be near a daycare and a church and and uh, i don't know some other place where children would be and they're like this isn't right this isn't right someone needs to enforce the the law and so they took a stand in a loving way um towards that but but they nobody got on facebook and and started dropping f-bombs and right nobody got on facebook and started doing different you know and and you know trashing the government or anything like that they did it in a loving way and i challenged you with this last week i said hey um you know for you to to get on social media or even or even in a setting you know a public setting or private setting and start bashing government officials god says hey wait a minute whoa 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 listen I put them there. That's what Romans 13 says. He says, I put them there. You're like, well, wait a minute. No, no, no. There's like the, the voting, the, uh, you know, and, and we, we vote, and then we vote somebody in and all this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. God uses all that. But he says, guess what? Any governing official I put there. And then we went a little bit further, and we said, hey, guess what? They're, they're children of God. They're, they're sons and daughters, even if they haven't quite yet made the decision. Like, the, they're people that God loves. And he's like, I will love them right up until that moment when, when it's too late. And then and they, and they make that decision to not love me back, and they end up going to hell. He's like, I will love them. I will love them right up until the moment. And if I love them like, like they're my kids, he's like, you love them too. Love those governing officials. All right, I just kind of got on a, another, another high horse. Yeah, come on. I got the mic and you don't. <laughs> Absolutely. And today, today we're talking about, we're going a little bit farther with love in, lo- in Romans chapter 14. Um, context matters. How many know context matters when you're, when you're reading Bible? Um, in the original, when, you're, when, when, they wrote, when they wrote Bible in the original language, there weren't chapters, there weren't verses. 
it, was, it would be all one letter. In fact, Romans would have been just read in one, in one sitting to a whole church. So you're not, you're, you're, a lot of times, it, it's it, there's some helpful things about chapters and verses, you know, that, that help us understand and help us, you know, there's, all, there's some helpful things. And then there's also some hindrances because some, sometimes you get to the end of one chapter and then you come back the next week like I do and I'm preaching a series in Romans and then we forget, oh, this is a continuation from the chapter before. So I want you to first understand there weren't there weren't like verses and chapter breakdowns in the in the original when they wrote when they wrote Bible. And so that helps you when you're reading it to know that it continues on from from one chapter to the next. Um, uh, there's also when we're reading in context here uh, if you weren't here all along, you know, Paul is writing to the church in Rome. And in this church there is there's a group of Gentiles Everyone say, not Jews, that's a Gentile. And then there were a group of uh, Messianic Jews that, that loved Jesus. And, and they, were, they were both there. And for, um, there, there was a, a cultural thing that happened in Rome where Rome decided to kick all the Jews out. And they were out of Rome for about five years. And then, um, then they changed their mind and said, hey, you can come back. And so all the Jews come back after five years. And, and when they came back, this church, the, the, that was established in Rome, it had started to look more Gentile than, than Jewish. And, uh, and so there started to be some, some, just some problems and, and how, do you, how do we relate to each other and how do we relate to God and what about this and what about that? And so Paul, even throughout the book of Romans, has been addressing some of that. How do we, how do we get along? Now, we're, we're gonna, so he gets here in, in Romans 14. We're gonna talk a little bit about that, but in context, it's interesting because nobody... If you talk to theologians and scholars, Bible teachers and all that, nobody can really agree because it, it doesn't say it. What is the problem Paul's trying to address here when you're reading Romans 14? It, it, sometimes it's really obvious when you're reading like 1 Corinthians and it's like, hey, um, you know, what was it, 1 Corinthians 5 and the, and the man was like sleeping with his stepmother? Like, that's a problem. We're going to address it. Romans 14, there, there's, not a, there's not like this, this problem that's real specific that we can read in and say Paul's trying to address a problem. And so that's, a, that's something to understand in context. Um, the, but the one thing that, that people try to, you know, when you don't understand something um, or, or when you come from a, a certain lens of reading scripture or certain certain background in, in faith or whatever, we, we often fill in the blanks where we don't <laughs> where God hasn't quite filled in the blank yet for us does that does that make sense so we read it we read it through our lens and we do that with Romans 14 so hopefully as I share a couple things um you, you might be like oh I don't know I never really looked at it that way before it's okay wrestle with it if it's the Lord it'll stick if it's not the Lord then 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 let it go by the wayside Here, this is what I mean by this watch this uh, before we get into Romans Romans 14 um, one thing that I that I was curious about is what does it mean by the the person who has a weaker faith? Have you ever read Romans fourteen before? And if, if you haven't, we're going to get right there. But there, but he says, um, except the person who has the weaker faith. And I kind of grew up thinking it was one thing, and, and, and as I'm reading this, and I'm wrestling with it, and I'm reading it again, I started realizing, this is uh, interesting to me, because I think that I fit the category of the weaker faith sometimes. I'm like, oh, that, that stinks. 
I start looking at myself and I think, I think, you know, there's times when I'm the one in this chapter that has that has the weaker faith. So we're, we're gonna, and, you're, and now your your antennas are up. And you're like, what, what, what's he talking? And we're gonna we're gonna talk about that for a minute here. Um, one thing also to understand is because people are trying to fill in blanks where I think maybe Paul wasn't even wasn't even trying to fill in the blanks um, we've got some various interpretations on this on this chapter one is um, from a when I say messianic Jewish um, mindset I'm, I'm talking about Jews that absolutely believe Jesus is the savior and uh, and they just they tend to not call themselves Christians for for a lot of various reasons a lot of baggage that comes from the term christian but they're absolutely our brothers and sisters in the faith and so um on one hand you've got you've got an interpretation of romans 14 and as we get into it you're gonna be like oh that's interesting but you've got a whole interpretation of romans 14 from a messianic jewish um perspective that would say hey this defends um actually eating a kosher diet there are people that, that, that will read this and will say this. When you read it and you go into the original language and you look at this word and that word and all this, no, Paul's not saying this. He's actually saying this. He's like, you should actually eat, uh, eat the, the biblical kosher way. And then you've got a bunch of biblical scholars that have wrestled with it just like these other scholars have. And they say, no way. Romans 14 means that you should, you should actually be able to not eat kosher according to the Lord. You should be able to eat whatever you want to eat. How many of that, that sounds a lot better? <laughs> that preaches better, too. And do you want to know what I found out? You're curious, huh? Paul's not even talking about that. <laughs> like, he, like, I think there's places where they're a little bit silent because... Because it's not even the, it's not even the main issue. When we make, we make certain issues the main issue, and Paul, Paul God through Paul is silent on some things and, and leaves us to wrestle with it because the main issue starts to come and rise to the surface. And we're going to start to see what the, what the main issue is. Um, I think Paul intentionally wasn't clear on some of those things. Um, clearly unclear, is that what you said? <laughs> clearly. Awesome. Here's a, let, me, let me throw out a definition for you, and if you're taking notes, this might be one to, to write down, and then you can wrestle with it yourself. Here's a definition of the weaker faith. The, the, and, and one, I want you to know, when every, the people that Paul's addressing here in this chapter are all believers. In other words, they all love Jesus. We're not talking about pre-Christian people, or, or we're, talking about, we're talking about believers. We're talking about every, those that have given the heart to the Lord, and yet some of them, Paul's saying, have a weaker faith, and some of them... Uh, by logic and reason, have a, have a stronger faith. And, and so here is a definition for a weak faith. A believer who thinks something is wrong when it's not wrong. A believer whose convictions are more strict than necessary. Well, it, it, you're going to start to see that as we read this. The, the weaker faith that Paul's talking about is somebody that has a stricter conviction. The weaker faith is somebody that, ha that, that believes something is wrong when actually the Bible doesn't say it's wrong. And that actually is what Paul says here is the, 
is the weaker faith. And so who's Paul talking to? Is Some are like, well, he's talking to the, you know, the weaker faith people are the Jews, or the weaker faith people are the Gentiles, or the weaker faith people. And no, Paul's saying, if, if you're a believer and your convictions are stronger than even what the Bible says, then that's a weaker faith. So watch this. Um, this is interesting to know about, about weaker faith. Um, Paul doesn't rebuke anyone with a weak faith here in this chapter. So w- when you're thinking of weak faith, um, I automatically was thinking, oh, you remember like Jesus and his disciples and they're out there doing all kinds of miracles and what did Jesus always say to his disciples? Oh, you of little faith. That's not what he's talking about here. So we're not talking about a weak faith in the sense of like, like, what you, like your prayer life and you believe by faith that someone's going to be healed or you believe by faith that this is going to happen. You're standing in faith for this. He's, he's talking about weaker faith in the area of convictions. It's also interesting to know Paul isn't talking about sin. Paul's not addressing any sin issue in Romans 14. He's addressing convictions in Romans 14. And it's really helpful to understand that because he gets really strict on, on sin in multiple places. This is sin, this isn't sin. And how many know when it comes to sin, there's no negotiation? When it comes to convictions, there is negotiation because they're convictions, it's not sin. I hope you're staying with me. So he doesn't rebuke the people with weak faith. He doesn't ask them to change either. Isn't that interesting? So the people that have, that he's addressing here as weak faith or strong faith, he doesn't ask anybody to change. He doesn't, he doesn't say that you have to change now. It's actually better for you to have a stronger faith. He doesn't even say any of that. He doesn't, he doesn't even hint at, maybe you should, um, if you have a, a weaker faith, if you've got, if you've got higher convictions, you should, you should consider um, changing so that you have a stronger, he doesn't say any of that. What else? I think it was interesting to see that one approach or conviction isn't necessarily better than the other. It really depends on motivation we're going to start to see that if your conviction is based on a motivation that isn't love, then that's bad. But how many know convictions are good? Sometimes. <laughs> Con- convictions are good when, they're, when they flow out of love, when they flow out of primarily love for the Father and they flow out of love for people. The convictions are, are absolutely good. So when Paul's addressing this, we're going to start to find out he's not even, he's not talking about sin. He's not even saying, hey, this one's better than this one. He's, 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 not, he's not saying, hey, you should change. He's saying, hey, you should love each other past your differences. That's like the whole point of Romans 14. Love each other past your differences. If he was talking about sin, I, as much as I know Paul through the scriptures like he does not pull punches he doesn't leave it ambiguous he read any of other Paul's letters how many know that sometimes you read Paul's letters and you're like he's a jerk right you're like you're like absolutely absolutely I I agree with you I agree so so you can just know that a little bit about Paul Paul's not doing that right here um in fact 
I don't even think Paul's saying you should even try to change. I don't think, uh, change your motivation, but don't necessarily change your conviction unless God says so. If God says, hey, hey, this conviction isn't, isn't biblical, this conviction isn't godly, well, then absolutely obey God. But, but uh, uh, you don't even need to try to change, maybe try to change your motivation. So what were the, some of the things that, God, that Paul, uh, God through Paul was addressing in this chapter? He, he addresses three specific areas, and then I think we can um, take that as a principle into some other areas, too, in our culture. Um, he's, he was addressing meat. He was addressing days. And he was addressing alcohol. And everyone's like, oh, he's going there. Those are the three things. Paul addressed them in Romans 14. And, uh, and, and so he was, he's like, these are the things that people, uh, that people were wrestling with in this church. And he's like, and so we're going we're gonna to go after them. Um, I want you to, uh, to hear this one more time as a reminder. Paul never asks anyone to change their convictions in this chapter. You're not going to hear me tell you what you need to believe in this sermon. You're not going to hear me lay out a, um, an exegesis on the, on the, the Bible that, that lays out meat or days or alcohol. What you're going to hear me say is, can we love each other past our differences when we're not talking about sin? That's what you're going to hear me say. Okay? Um, the, you know, there's a word that kind of gets thrown out, and sometimes it, it comes with, with baggage because it's not always defined well. Uh, in fact, if you, if you go to a, a church that's really heavy on grace, you know, and, and you know, right? And I'm not talking about grace church, in, in t- right? Can we edit that part out of that video? Uh, but I'm talking about, about environments that are really heavy on, on, uh, on grace in the sense that you can just, you can do whatever you want to do, and God loves you. It doesn't really matter about behavior, and, and you probably heard, or, or it's, it's, in fact, some people call it a sloppy grace. Um, and, and so there's a, there's a word here. When, when we say, what will they say to you? They'll say, oh, stop being so legalistic. And so, legal, so legalism is kind of, it, it's, it kind of gets associated with the opposite of, oh, get to do whatever you want to do. Did I just like do a, a dance? <laughs> That's also one of those things that you could have a conviction on if you're allowed to do that in church. So as a side note, my, my, my little two-year-old, two-year-old daughter has a great dance that just shakes her little hips. I didn't get it from me. That word legalism is really interesting to me, um, because we're it, it, when 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 somebody is is talking about freedom, freedom in the Lord, and all of this stuff that we get to do, and then someone else comes along and says, "Nope, that's wrong." Then the first thing that you think of, no, you're just being legalistic. Here, let me just kind of, if so, someone one time I was sitting at coffee and they're like, "Well, what's what's your definition of legalism?" And I'm just I'm wrestling with it because it's hard to kind of put. Put your finger on it. And so I, I, I really tried to. I really tried to say, okay, this is what I think about it. And so let me just kind of shoot some of it out at, at you. Legalism has to do with a love for the rules more than a love for God. It doesn't mean that the rules are wrong. How I many know it's good to have rules? How I many know that the Bible has rules? But legalism, it starts, it, there's like a love for the rules that actually you start going down this road and you're like in love with the rules. And God's like, hey, I'm right here. So there's a love for the rules over a love, over a love for God. Watch. Um, you can do the right things for the wrong reasons. In fact, there are 
good people that obey a lot of biblical rules that are going to hell. So, so there can be a love for the rules and not a love for God. How many know that it's good to have a, a love for God and a love for the rules? <laughs> it's good to have both. Uh, so, the, so, uh, so there's that. Legalism will often take what God has left gray and interpret it as black or white. Legalism will often take what God has left gray and interpret it as black or white. In other words, where the Bible is silent, legalism fills in the gaps with man's interpretation. You all right? Okay. So again, God's not asking you to change your convictions in this sermon. He's want, this is all about how we relate to each other. At the, at the end of the day, that word legalism, it really, it really just means um, I'm not operating in love. In fact, you can have a legalistic mindset right now and the Lord can touch your heart and nothing changes as far as your convictions and the rules and all of this. But what does change is how you view people and how you view the word. So we're not talking about changing anything behaviorally necessarily we're talking about how we view people and how we view the lord so at the very least just admit it when you have filled in a gray area admit it just admit it that you know what this is my conviction others may this is what my grandma used to say others may but i may not my um my family we used to always get together family reunions and and i don't know about you but we would like play cards and uh um you know, like Texas Hold'em, and just joking, just joking. <laughs> uh, grandma and Grandpa would, you know, bet, and you know, we we grew up in a pastor's family, so I'm, that's a that's a, that's a joke. You just didn't do that. Your family may have, and then and then I'm judging you right now. <laughs> I'm being a judger. No, but we we play cards and stuff. But uh, but in um, in the movement that I've grown up in, in open Bible, um, you didn't you didn't uh, at least especially in the old days, you didn't play with playing cards. You played with other cards. Um, and the, the popular one was, was buying a, a Rook deck. Have you ever played Rook? Yeah. So the family would get together, and we'd be, we'd be playing Rook and having a good time and all this stuff, and Grandma would be either serving us or off doing her own thing. And I was like, Grandma, why don't you just play? And she's like, well, come here, come here, Jonathan. And we sat, we sat down, and she talked to me, and she's like, you know what? I, I love that you guys are having fun playing, playing cards. But there was a moment with, with the Lord years ago when I was playing and the Lord said, Joan, I'd rather you not. And he said, others may, but you may not. And he, she said, so out of obedience to God, I just have a conviction that I'm not going to, but man, I love that all of you guys are, even grandpa. I don't know what they talked about when we all left, but others may, but you may not. There was intense love in her eyes. There was grace, but she had a conviction. She had a conviction. Paul talks about those, those, three, those three areas. Um, and again, I'm going to, we're, we're not going to interpret a lot of things here. Um, some people with, when it, in regards to meat, um, there's, there's whole, there's, tons of, of scholar, scholarship writing where they're saying this is absolutely talking about <coughs> like non-kosher meat 
where, where Paul says, hey, it's okay to have a ham sandwich, or it's okay to, you know, to, you know, to have bacon. And, and, uh, and then some people are like, Paul is saying that. He's absolutely saying that right here. And then others are saying, no, Paul was Jewish. And he would have, it would have never even entered his mind to, to eat any of that stuff. And so he's just, he's obviously just saying all of the meat that we would normally eat, you're welcome to eat. And, 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 and then when he's talking about vegetarians and stuff in here, it's those that are really strict. And so some people think that. It, it, it goes on either, on either way. With days, some people in, the, in this chapter, when we, when we get here and we talk about, about sacred days, some people are talking about the Sabbath being a, a Saturday and, and that, that and the God saying, hey, the Sabbath, the Sabbath can, be, can be any day as long as, you, as, long, as long as it's holy unto the Lord. And other people have read this chapter and they've gone through and, and wrestled with it in historical context and they say, no, that was, they were living in Rome and there were lots of different days that were, that were set apart for this and for that in Rome. In fact, that's where we got our, our Roman calendar and, and each day was represented by a God and all of this stuff. And so there were certain days, oh, you shouldn't go to the market on that day because that's for this and you shouldn't go and do this on this day. And so when we're talking about sacred days, some people say it's not even talking about like a holy Sabbath and some people say, well, no, it absolutely is. So how about we don't fill in with black and white what somehow it seems that maybe God has left gray. And then this alcohol issue would be, would be similar. And um, there are some, probably even in this room, that would, that would say, alcohol is sin. And there are some in this room that would say, well, no, like the Bible never says anything about alcohol being sin. And and somewhere in between, there's going to be people that say, you know, I totally believe alcohol is not a sin, but I also have a conviction I'm not going to drink it, right? And so you're going to have, you're going to have all of that in here. And Paul is saying, can we love each other past our differences? Um, growing up in in my I grew up in a, I'm a fourth generation open Bible minister, and uh, grew up in. In, in that Pentecostal environment, Pentecostal has its roots in a lot of uh, um, like holiness movements, and so a lot of it was, um, I would say, legalism. Uh, you know, you 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 can do this and you can't do this. I mean, there was everything from dancing to makeup, and like you know, men weren't allowed to wear makeup, and I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, dancing and makeup and. Uh, um, I, you know, drinking and bowling alleys and everything, you know, movie theaters and all of this type of stuff. Maybe some of you remember back then. And, um, and so I grew up kind of, uh, kind of a little bit more progressive than some of that, but still kind of coming out of, of that. And so in my, in my growing up years, um, I mean, let's just take movies, for instance. If it had the letter R on it, like it doesn't even... Uh, that means rated R. It doesn't even, like, it, you, you, it's no question. You just don't go, you just don't go to those. You just don't go to those. And so I would say, I grew up in an environment where, where our, my faith was the weaker faith. And it was interesting. It was, we were all strict on that until Passion of the Christ came out. <laughs> Like, wait, whether, you know, I mean, you know, it's Jesus. Uh, grew up in, uh, obviously, in uh, an environment with, uh, you know, you don't, you don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't do these. I remember being like 
five years old, six years old, at least old enough to where I understood some of the concept. There was, my parents were talking with this gentleman, and he was smoking, and just right in between. Is he saved? Like, so he could hear, because he's smoking. Obviously, he's not saved. Obviously, if he got saved, he'd give up his cigarettes and chew and all of that other stuff, right? So my, my little, so I grew up in that, in that type of environment, and in fact, it, it caused me, um, as I was growing up, and even later in life, even as a minister, to um, probably wrongfully judge other people's salvation and how close they are to God and all this stuff, because, because uh, uh, you know, I'm over at their house, and I'm up their refrigerator, oh, there's a beer. Oh, they're probably saved, but they're just a little bit less saved. <laughs> right? Or go, go to the movies with my wife and see, see someone, they're walking into a different one than I am. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> they probably just don't know what's in that one. You know, if they, they'll probably leave halfway through when they find out that one scene or, you know, whatever. But you know how you just, you just, I grew up kind of judging other people, knowingly and unknowingly, and uh, probably still judging some of you right now. Just, just joking, but seriously. Some people say this, this, and this equals holiness, and God says, well, I never said that. And again, it might be a conviction, but it doesn't necessarily equal holiness unless God says it does. So watch this. Um, here's the main thought for today. It's not going to be on the screen, but um, I'll, re- I'll say it a couple of times if you're taking notes. It says this. When you are either sloppy with your freedom or judgmental in your convictions and it offends someone or causes them to stumble in their walk with God, you're not operating in love. Was that a little wordy? Okay. We'll do it, we'll do it at least two more times. <laughs> when you're either sloppy with your freedom or judgmental in your convictions and it offends someone or causes them to stumble in their walk with God, you're not operating in love. In other words, you can knowingly and unknowingly damage people with areas of your life that you feel clean before God practicing or not practicing. Yeah, that one or the one before? (laughs) You can knowingly or unknowingly damage people with areas of your life that you feel clean before God, practicing or not practicing. Just because it isn't a sin doesn't mean you should do it. Should we actually talk Bible now? Romans 14 says this, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Now, disputable matters, that's an interesting phrase and we're like well what's a disputable matter well Paul gives three examples of disputable matters but but also it's important to know like what it's not he's not talking about doctrine (laughs) he's not talking about bible teaching he's like he's not he's not saying well you can believe this about Jesus and someone else can believe this about Jesus what's he, he he's talking about disputable matters things that we can wrestle with and where the bible has some maybe some gray areas on he's like that's what we're talking about here goes on and he says he says one person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak, again, remember, I was, I've probably grown up in, in being a, a weak faith type of a person with maybe some stronger convictions. 
one whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has what? Accepted them. And I'm reading in the NIV version if, if you're following along. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? And this is, a, this is an interesting phrase, and, and, and there's, there's context here. But when you bring it here and, and apply it to us, it's like, I, I think we're talking about somebody who's a servant of God. Like, hey, they're, they're responsible before the Lord in their actions and in, their, in the way they, they live their life. And who are you to judge God's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall. They will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. Now, I want to just make a, a little, little thought there is, is this. Um, I've, I've preached clear sermons in other, other chapters that Paul has written about judging believers. And I absolutely believe that it's okay to judge believers as long as you first judge yourself. <laughs> the Bible says to, to take the plank out of your own eye before you take the speck out of somebody else's eye. And as a community, as believers, we are supposed to, to uh, judge fruit and, and, help, and help each other grow in their walk with God. Paul says, do not judge those out there. Leave that to God. Those that aren't a believer, we leave the, that to God. And what we often do is we often judge the world and then don't judge each other. And he's like, yeah, that's backwards. Here, he's talking about convictions. He's not talking about sin. Does that help? Good, all right. One person considers one day more sacred than the other, and another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord. For they give thanks to God, and whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. And Then I'm skipping to verse 10 here. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. In other words, you may just have this such a strong conviction that you're like, you know what, I know, I know what he's saying, but no, that's sin or whatever. And Paul's saying, hey, someday they're going to stand before God's judgment seat, and it's going to get really clear really fast if they were doing, if they were right before God or not. Verse 11, it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, watch this, make up your mind not to put a stumbling block or an obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Again, here's, here's the thing. Your freedom may allow you to do something. You may be totally okay with something that you watch or drink or eat or, or participate in or places you go. And yet, if there's something you know, man, my freedom, I know that it's going to bother somebody or it's going to, because of love, you start to evaluate some of this stuff. Verse 12 um, Oh, no, verse 14. I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. 
But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it's unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. That's just crazy. Some people, you know, there are people that are just so convinced of their freedom that they just flash it out there for everybody. I'm free to do this and to do that. And there's no thought of what their actions, what their words, what they believe. There's no thought that that could hurt somebody else. I mean, slop, I mean we are sloppy on social media. We, last week we talked about government, but what about the person that, that's sitting at dinner and taking a selfie with a glass of wine or a beer? You might be free before God and totally clean before God to do that. And you just put it on social media for everyone to see. And you don't know who you're hurting, who you're damaging. That's just sloppy. It's sloppy. He goes on and he says, Therefore do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. In other words, you know it's you're clean before God to do such and such a thing. Don't let don't let that thing now be spoken up as evil. In other words, keep your mouth shut. Or or don't put it on Facebook or right? He's like, let that be a private thing between you, maybe you and your wife, maybe a close circle that let that be private. He goes on, he says, for the kingdom of God is not a, not a matter of eating and drinking, but rather of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. He's like, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. All of this other stuff is disputable matters. This stuff, man, this is what we're about. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Can we like focus on the main stuff? Could we like, instead of, instead of letting division come over some of these disputable matters, could we like maybe just ignore, pretend they're not there and just focus on righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit? That's what he's saying. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort. I want everyone to say every effort. Every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. In other words, every effort means sometimes you end up not being able to do what you want to do. Every effort means because I love you, I'm not going to do this. That's every effort. It doesn't mean I'm just going to take up my rights. We're in such a culture that we're like, that's my right. I'm going to do it. No one gets to tell me what to do. And, and there's no authority anymore. And there's no, like, no, we're just going to do what I want to do. Whatever pleases me and everyone else can, you know, and uh, it, it's on them. If, if, you know, if they get offended, that's their problem. Paul's like, yeah, well, it's also your problem. If you've done something to cause them to be offended or cause them to be to stumble it's your it's your problem too is what he's saying he goes on verse 20 do not destroy the work of god for the sake of food all food is clean but it's wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble it is better to not eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall so whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. 
Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith. And everyone that does not come from faith, and, uh, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. In other words, you're not sure what you believe and you've got doubts and you haven't wrestled out your convictions yet and you're just like, well, I'm not sure if it is or not, but I'm gonna try. Like, that's not, that's not eating or drinking or, or participating in something out of faith. That's just, that, that's opposite. It's like, wrestle out your convictions before the Lord. And, and then that comes from faith. We're going to wrap up with a couple statements and then share a story. Watch this. Love people enough to be willing to sacrifice an area of freedom if needed. Love people enough to not judge their level of holiness based on your convictions. Why? Because the greatest commandment is to love God but a close second is to love people. And Romans 14 talks about areas that could potentially divide us. And God says, pursue love and unity. Is that all right with you? Okay. Listen, um, I want to tell you about an experience, a kind, of, kind of a bad experience I had. And then, uh, and Pastor Kelly, you and your team can come. Um, I, uh, I was a part of a ministry in Iowa years and years ago. And... Um, it actually, there were, uh, there were Messianic Jews and Gentiles who wanted to be Jews and the whole mix um, in, this, uh, um, in this congregation. And, um, and actually, there was this place of really um, kind of pushing certain, certain things. We, we talk about food. They started to push kosher stuff and talk about days and they start they they would push uh, you know sabbath and feasts and they you know and you talk about um some of these other things and it was just this like we're we're holier and you're not and it, there in fact it actually caused a division to where a whole group of people left the congregation and uh so for for a long time i was like oh i don't want anything to do with anything jewish expression at all just being honest I'm like, pray for Israel if I think about it and read about it in the Bible. And, but there's just a bad taste in my mouth because of somebody's conviction and where I was at. And, and it took me a little while. And uh, it probably was only about um, five or six years ago where I just started realizing, you know what? Um, I need to wrestle some of that stuff down from a, place of learning because I happen to serve a Jewish savior <laughs> right like, that might be a good idea to get to know his culture <laughs> um, it, I started wrestling some of it down uh, just because the, the all of the authors in the Bible happen to be writing from a Jewish perspective <laughs> I'm like maybe maybe I should get over that maybe it was hurt, maybe it was, I don't know what it was. It was definitely judgmental. It's kind of like, you know, give it back, you know, th I felt judged, and so judge you right back, and that's kind of kind of where, where it landed. And, and so I started talking with even just people in our church, people outside of our church, and just said, I just want to understand. I want to understand because I want to understand, I want to understand this. <laughs> I want to understand because I want to know him better, and and I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, I still, I mean, I don't, 
I don't worship on the traditional Sabbath like many of you, and, and I, I don't, you know, eat kosher, and I've, I don't, I think I've, I don't know that I've actually celebrated one biblical feast yet, but I, I'm open to learning, and I was over in Israel, and we, like, a traditional, like, I forget what it's called, <laughs> Sabbath, or Shabbat, a Shabbat meal, a, a, a Sabbath, like, and, and all of the readings and everything that they did and the honor of each other and God. I mean, it was awesome. And I was just like learning. Like, I, I want to be in that place. It's, it's an example. And there's all kinds of examples that you could pull on in your life. But man, um, for me to go to that other extreme of actually being judgmental towards, towards people that I felt like were being judgmental towards me, that wasn't love. How many know that wasn't love? That wasn't love. All right. I hope that helps you. Would you guys stand? Some of you may be struggling to love past differences, maybe in this room, maybe in your families. And if you want someone to stand with you and pray with you and say, man, I just, man, there's this person or there's this thing or whatever. I've been judgmental. I feel like someone's been judgmental towards me or I don't know what to do with my convictions. And you just want prayer this morning. We're going to invite our our altar team forward. You guys can come forward right now and we're going to sing one last song and then we'll be out.